We have already this morning uh, in worship, in the lyrics of the songs that we have sung in prayer and in communion, um, and with this opening uh, video illustration, explained a lot, talked a lot about God's redemptive narrative that he has been at work in throughout all of human history. From creation to today, God has ever been at work to show us love. And this time of year in in the, the ancient Christian calendar of Advent and in um, a time marked by waiting for the physical return of Jesus, celebrating the constant arrival of Jesus in our hearts, and the reminder of the birth of Jesus. It is our way of connecting with the very personal relationship that God has made available to us. In this story, in John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 29, we have a couple of different characters. One, uh, the writer of this eyewitness account is John. John the Evangelist is called John, one of the disciples. Um, John the disciple, some scholars actually believe, was one of the followers of John the Baptist that then transitioned to being a follower of Jesus. And that would ex- actually explain his first person account of this. And this story that we're about to look at is actually after. Uh, Jesus has come to John the Baptist and been baptized by John the Baptist. And the, uh, the video that we just watched helps illustrate and explain the meaning of that and why it's important. But the other character that we have here is uh, John the Baptist. And last week we looked at his miracle pregnancy um, and birth. His, his mother um, was not able to have children and um, his birth was a reminder to us that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. And we should not come into this time of year without that being an essential part of what we're thinking about. That no matter what we are facing, whether it be a, a defect of our own character, a challenge in our life, a physical ailment, a financial challenge, that no matter what it is that we are facing, we're reminded that nothing is impossible with God. So now we fast forward in this part of the story. Uh, both Jesus and John the Baptist have been born. And John the Baptist has had a, a prophetic ministry. We explained a little bit last week. If you weren't here last week, I asked for you to listen to the recording of that message. I emailed you a link um, where John is speaking on behalf of God. That's a prophetic gift. There's been more than 400 years of no prophets ministering. And now something new is happening. John the Baptist served the people by uh, speaking prophetic words. He called them to turn away from selfishness and to turn toward God. Now, when he was questioned, he identified that one of his functions was to be preparing the way for the Lord. So we read the eyewitness accounts of what John the Baptist was doing, where John the Baptist was recognizing Jesus as the Messiah that he had been predicting. John the Baptist described what Jesus would do in the future. The people hearing this were to expect Jesus to take away the sin of the world. That's what they would, if they're listening to John, that's what they would be expecting. And they were also expecting that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. They were seeing the fulfillment of God's promised redemption, a love in action, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. 
So John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that this is the chosen one of God. John the Baptist is saying that when Jesus was baptized, he saw this happen. It's a miracle. It's something that is supernatural. Now, this other imagery that John is referring to, let's have a look at that. What he is seeing is what the prophet Isaiah spoke of, which we see on the screen. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all, like a lamb to the slaughter, unjustly condemned, buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He bore the sins of many. Now, clearly, the early believers, they, they believed this, they talked about it, they had certain phrases that they would memorize and repeat to each other, and here are a couple. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. It was a very clear and very meaningful, very important imagery, and we can get overwhelmed with this life, but the writer of Hebrews reminds us, how will we overcome? If we ignore so great a salvation, we need to be very clear on these truths and what they mean. They should be personally alive to us. They should be the grace of God to us that's exciting, that is more fulfilling, more satisfying, more enjoyable than anything in this natural life. Check this out. Peter also wrote about this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. He's referring to Isaiah's prophecy and Jesus' fulfillment of it. Peter goes on, Once you were like sheep who wandered away. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This again, this passage is one of the things that Peter would memorize, would repeat, and wrote down and encouraged followers of Jesus to memorize and to repeat. It's an important, it's an essential message. I like how the Purple Book sums it up. We want to give everyone a copy of the Purple Book. I ask that anyone and everyone who wants to be a part of this church go through it. Jesus' blood, his sacrificial death, is God's solution for humanity's sin. He pays the penalty for your sin. He wants to wipe the slate clean in forgiveness. But Jesus didn't just stay in the grave. He rose from the dead. we got to remember Jesus is alive. 
And what I hope we see in this story is that the Holy Spirit is at work. Just in even fulfilling what John said, here's what Jesus said, Acts 1-5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's inextricable. You, you can't remove it from the story. The Holy Spirit's activity. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, first, that God speaks through people. We should recognize that. Sometimes someone speaks on behalf of God to us and we don't like what it says. And we can find lots on social media and the internet about why you should walk away from relationships that challenge you. God speaks through people and we believe in the prophetic gift. We activate the prophetic gift. We actually see that the prophetic gift function most outside the walls of the church. Out on the streets and homes. So first, God speaks through people. Second, we learn supernatural things happened confirming the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. There was a lot that happened around the birth of Christ that was miraculous. Third, we learn that Jesus brings a cleansing from sin, removal of guilt, and restoration of relationship with God. Fourth, that God the Holy Spirit is active among us. God is not dead. God is alive. God is still at work today. So what do we do about all this? Well, first, we should receive Jesus as Savior, turning away from selfishness. And this service, start to finish, has been about the plain, simple truth of the gospel, which we should be very familiar with and passionate about. It should be something that we are excited to share with others. We should receive Jesus as Savior, turning away from selfishness. Second, we should receive this new life and the cleansing from our mistakes. I like how the video explains our mistakes, our missing the mark, our sin, as relational vandalism. That's what God wants to cleanse us from, heal us from. And bring new life and new strength to us from this relational vandalism. What should we do? Third, we should lead lives of love and peace. We should lead lives of love and peace. Fourth, we should be aware of God, the Holy Spirit, active among us. Come on, let's not go through this season and let silly things keep us busy and miss God at work. Let us not be the ones who do that. Let us make whatever changes we need to make to move slowly enough to hear the voice of God. Last week I shared a prophetic word with you. What I believe God is saying to us as a church for today and for the coming year. It will not come to pass if you are not aware of it. Right. If you are not listening for the voice of God. You're too busy not to pray. You have too much going on in your life. The stakes are too high to live ignorant of what God is doing today. 
God is at work today. God loves you today. God has something encouraging, something life-giving to say to you today. And what we clearly hear already over and over in this time together is that God has shown us real love in the redemptive narrative, washing away our sin, making available new life. It's exciting. We should be aware of God the Holy Spirit active among us. Fifth, we should be inspired to talk about Jesus with the people we see this week. Jesus is alive. God the Holy Spirit is speaking. And there is nothing in this life more enjoyable than that. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Are you ready to give it away? We like to say in this church, love gives. I know this time of year you probably remember somebody even lecturing is more blessed to give than to receive. It didn't sound like it when they said it, did it? <laughs> give me my presents. Or at least my ham sandwich. God loves you. Receive his love. Let's not leave the gifts wrapped under the tree. Open up the gift of Jesus in this new life and use it for what God designed it for. Let us not relate to God out of legalism. And if I were to ask you today, how's your relationship with God? And your first response is about your actions. Our focus is not on God's love the way that he designed it to be. God loves you. Will you stand with me and let's close in prayer this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you that you made a way for us to be cleansed from our mistakes. We confess them to you where we've missed the mark, where we've done relational vandalism in our lives. Please forgive us. For anywhere we've not done the right thing or done the wrong thing, please forgive us. Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your cleansing. We receive new life today. Help us to celebrate it. Help us to share it. Lord, would you by your Holy Spirit wipe away, wash away any guilt, any shame, the things of this earth. Bring new life into us. Invigorate us today. Help us to show love everywhere we go. I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus.